0: Anyway, this morning, I'm going to go strong on this. I don't know if you're ready to take what I'm about to speak. I needed you strong in the spirit before I start talking about what I'm going to talk about. Please don't be passive about what I'm talking about this morning. This is very serious. Very, very serious. What I'm about to talk to you about this morning. We're talking about your kingdom come. But we're going to talk about how Babylon reigns on the mountains. Because we've been in our series now, Your Kingdom Come, and in the last couple of weeks, this has been a long series on Your Kingdom Come, but in in the last couple of weeks, we took a turn and we started talking about the mountains. And the mountains represent cultures in any society, there are cultures dominating society. We've all been a product of education. We're all a product of government. We've just elected a new government. We're all part of a family. We all enjoy arts and entertainment, do we not? And we are all part of, we all enjoy media and we're all affected by the economy. Are we not? These are systems that run our society. You may find more, there may be science, technology, you may find others. But the concept is there are systems that affect us in our society. Would everyone agree with that? The Bible has a lot to say about these systems. How they affect the church. How they affect our world. You may not understand all this. That's fine. I'm trying to take you through a process. So that as I keep on speaking, little things will drop in. We don't get the full picture as we talk. We know No one gets anything the first time. So as we keep talking about these things, little things will drop in. And hopefully... It will help you to make a bigger picture. Think of the jigsaw puzzle. You put the first, you try and get the corners, or you might want to start from the middle, and you start, might want to build out, or you might want to build the frame first and then work in. And, uh, but everybody is eager to see the, fo- the finish of the picture, aren't they, when you do uh, a jigsaw puzzle. I'm no patience when it comes to jigsaw puzzles. I want, the, I want the kiddie ones with the big pieces. You can make them a lot quicker. Yeah? But as I look at those mountains and I look at what they represent, I can't hold back from declaring Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, some trust in Cameron's government, others will trust in Downing Street, Whitehall, houses of law, house of lords, but we must trust in the name of our God. So, irrespective of what's going on on those mountains in our society, Those mountains represent society, the marketplace, domains, whatever you want to call it, they influence. Every one of those domains are spirit-driven. They're all spirit-driven. I don't know if you noticed, you only have to go on the internet to see media, how it works. It works on lies, it works on pornography, it works on lust, it works on so many things that is totally anti-God. god You can, you only have to, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that from decade to decade, we are going worse and worse and worse. We're becoming more and more of a deprived generation. Amen. So we know that there are spirits driving these things. Yes. Education. We have more and more philosophies. Controlling the minds of people. But what happens if those philosophies get in the church? What happens if that media gets into church? Now, we're using media this morning. So media is not bad. Just like I've said to you many times, don't blame technology. Blame the people behind the technology. Technology is very useful. To the pure, all things are pure. So, you know, if we want to go down that line and throw out every bit of technology, we'd never have a piece of paper or a pen. It's not the technology. It's the dipstick behind it. Yeah? So we don't trust in no man's government. We don't don't trust in those things. We trust in the government of our God. We trust in the living God. No one can overrule the laws of our God. No one can, can annul His judgments. Yes? No man can stand against the judgments of God. We have come to the crossroads in our nation. Just like Elijah came when he stood on Mount Carmel. And when he stood on Mount Carmel, he saw the prophets of Baal there, and he turned around between, he was stood between the altars, the, the, the false idol um, worship altars, and he turned around to Israel and said, choose today who you'll serve. There needs to be a voice in our nation, reminding our nation, that it was once, you know, it once came under a Christian influence. Choose today who you'll serve. Yes? Our God is not Molech, our God is not Abal. Our God is not power, it's not pleasure, it's not political correctness. We cannot surrender righteousness. We cannot surrender our God given morality. We cannot surrender biblical values. We cannot support anything that promotes rebellion against God and His Word. We just can't do it. But those mountains want you to. We declare Our Father who art is in heaven, hallowed be His name, His kingdom come, His will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day. The only day we have to make these things happen is this day. It's the only day you have. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about yesterday. Yesterday has gone. You only have today. So our Father's kingdom must come today. The day that you're alive. The day that you choose to embrace it. His kingdom must come. That's never changed. His passion is. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So the pattern what's up in heaven must become the pattern on the earth. This kingdom is still advancing. It doesn't always look like it. So Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1. I've been reading this out to you many times. Let me give you some language to that, that mountains. When the Lord your God brings you into a land you are entering to possess. And he drives you out before many nations. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. How many are there? Seven. Seven nations larger and stronger than you. Mountains. Domains. These harassed Israel. And he warned them, don't get involved in these mountains. The moment you get involved in these tribes, they'll take your sons and daughters. They'll bring their philosophies, and they'll cause you to compromise, and the kingdom will be lost because of who you associate with. Hello? Who we associate with determines whether we hold our values or we compromise them. When your son starts starts dating, or your daughter starts dating, you take a keen interest on the one she's dating. Because you know this guy can take your daughter in a direction that you don't want her to go. This guy, if he doesn't have your values, he'll undermine every value that you have been teaching your daughter. And your daughter's going to be taken away into slavery without her realizing it. She's going to compromise her values. She's going to give up her virginity. She's going to let go of purity. Everything that you tried to keep in her, she's going to let it go. She's going to sell it. Why? Because those mountains tell her, that's what you've got to do. Experience life. That's the family. It breaks the family up. Peer pressure. It's a philosophy that's come out of that mountain. It's designed to, uh, to uh, what's the word? Smash society, break society up, dismantle society. So that nobody knows what they're doing and nobody trusting anything. And then the government then... Becomes the only hope that people have. And what happens if a government lets you down? Which they do. David Cameron, to his best interest, will let us down. My hope is not in David Cameron. Can't be. So he says, these nations are stronger and larger than you. And when you, when the Lord your God de- has delivered them over to you. So there's a time of deliverance. Yes. <clears throat> uh, over to you. And you have defeated them. Then you must destroy them totally. Hello. Destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them. What did he say? Make no treaty with them. Now you, you and I cannot destroy arts and entertainment, religion, family, uh, government, media, educate. Our job is not to destroy it. God says He'll do it. Your job is to be salt and light in it. Salt and light. That's your job. Our job is not to destroy them. Please get this. We're not going to war with these mountains. They're coming to war with you. They're after you. They're the philosophies that is determining the thinking and the mindset and the behavior of governments worldwide. Yes? Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Don't intermarry with them church don't intermarry don't give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods that's the whole intention and the gods uh, and the lord's anger will burn against you and you'll qu- and quickly destroy you we have a problem the church has fallen the church has gone into those mountains those mountains are in the church they're in the church. But there is a count there there is a antidote for destroying those mountains. It's called the kingdom of Zion. Zion I don't mean Israel. I'm not talking about a geographical land. I'm not talking about tourism. Go to the Wailing wall. I'm talking about the dimension, the kingdom dimension of Zion. Read your Bible, that's where God lives. In Zion. Now God now God wants Zion to live into you in you and me. That's why if you look around, you have come to a Zion explosion. We are understanding more and more about this dimension of Zion. How it's going to affect our lives. Because it's going to bring government back to the church. So the church can establish and run on a government, a a biblical government, an apostolic government. Because only an apostolic government can charter the church through those mountains. Not a pastoral government an apostolic government. Because that was the government that was on the earth. where God put that into his church. So we know in Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2. Listen to what he says. And it shall come to pass in the latter day. That the mountain of Jehovah's house shall be established on top of the mountains. Whose mountain? God's. God's mountain will sit on every one of those mountains. So irrespective of how powerful they are, God's got a kingdom that's more powerful than any arts or media. In fact, he'll use arts and media. He'll even use government because when he comes back, he's going to get the whole world's attention. But until he comes back, he says, you occupy. You occupy. We're not waiting for this to happen. We can start the process now. Amen. Amen. He says this... And he he will be exalted above the hills... And all the nations shall flow unto it... And many people shall go and say... Come... Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord... To the house of God of Jacob... And he will teach us his ways... And he he will walk in his path... That's not what the nations are saying now... Nobody wants to know God... Nobody wants to know his ways... Secularism does not want to know God's ways... And he will judge between the nations... And he will decide concerning many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's the New American Standard Version I just read that from. There's a time coming when when Zion will completely zap every other mountain. Now, we can be so passive and say, well, God will do that in the future. That's what most Christians want to do. They want to leave it to somebody else. Or we can become proactive and occupy now. We can can be proactive and forcefully advance the kingdom now. Your kingdom come now on earth. It's not leave it to somebody else. It's now our responsibility. It's our generation's responsibility. The kingdom must come through your life. Don't look to somebody else to do it. You. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. From that time to that time. It must keep on advancing. But as the kingdom of God advances, so do those mountains. So do those mountains. Now, if I use the name Satan, you all know who Satan is. But if I said to you, he's the master puppeteer. He is the master puppeteer. He's got things and he plays, just like God's got the world in his hands and God does what he needs to do with his church, with his people. Satan likes to play things. Yeah, and he likes to play what he's got against the kingdom of God. Now, God's toying with him. God's toying with him. But the point is, you and I sometimes think that his kingdom, some Christians actually think his kingdom is stronger than ours. No, not on his best day. Not with the sun on his face and the wind behind his back. Not a chance. Not a chance. But if he can make you think that, he's one. You become his puppet. You become his puppet. Remember that song? I'm your puppet. Some of you don't remember that, I don't know. That's the gospel according to the charts. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Who's that God? Satan. is the master puppeteer. He has blinded the, the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ who is the image of God. But the moment Christ chooses to reveal his light to someone, the master puppeteer gets knocked out of the way. I was in the hands of that puppeteer at one point. So was you. Then all of a sudden, God shone, shone his light into my life and the puppeteer has to, step aside, fella. I'm coming through. I've seen the light. That's it. And once you see the light, you can actually say, you have the power then to cut your own string. I'm no longer under your authority, your rule, your domain, I'm now attached, connected to a higher source. I'm now a child of the living God. Now I do his will. Amen. See, God doesn't control you. You don't need like the puppeteer. The puppeteer controls. God doesn't do that. He's give you a free will. So God doesn't have to do that with you. He does that with those mountains. He's using them for his purpose. But he doesn't do that with your life. Why? He will lead you if you, want to be, if you want to follow. If you submit and sacrifice, he was, he's more than willing to lead you. But he won't keep you on a piece of string like that. God doesn't do that. So the enemy does this through regression. Regression just means returning back to your old former ways via temptation. How many Christians go back to their old ways? He does it through repression. So regression, repression. Repression is, this is when the spirit of the age invades your life. So if if I'm a Christian, what does the Bible turn around and say as a Christian? Don't become friends with the world. Don't take of this world, because if the nature of this world gets inside of you, this world, this nature is going to die. It's going to be destroyed. God doesn't want you to be destroyed. So he put his seed inside you. Of a different kingdom. But he knows, if you read the parable of the the sower, he talks about how the seeds come under attack. And how different environments and different temptations choke the seed. Yes? And he wants you, Satan wants you to go back. He doesn't want you to change your nature. He wants to keep your old nature. But Jesus wants you to have his nature, his likeness, and his image. Satan wants you to have his likeness, his nature, and his image. Yeah? He does it. He does repression. It's when the spirit of the age has invaded your life, leaving you with your subconscious reluctance to submit to God. Suppression. This is when you want to avoid the unpleasant things that you know you need to do. So I don't come to church because I know I've got to church and I'm going to have to repent. As a Christian, I didn't come to church because I knew if I went there, I'm going to have to sort my life out. Some of you don't come to church because you know that when you get into the environment, you know heaven opens, the Holy Spirit starts speaking, and you don't want to deal with where you've been. You still want your own independence. So you don't want to come here because you know you'll be exposed. Come on, be honest with yourself. You don't want to listen to me speak, because you know you're gone. And I don't want to listen to others speak, because I know I'm gone. And that's how it works. That's suppression. Then there's depression. Depression. Mood swings. Have you known any Christians that are so full of mood swings that they're so unstable? That's depression. What about oppression? This is where people live in a rut. Yeah? Yeah? Get caught living in the rat race. Oppression. People are oppressed. What about obsession? When obsession takes a person's thoughts and behaviors captive. When they can't think about anything else, it's just about one thing. Yeah? You're a slave to that one thing. It dominates you all the time. That's what Satan does. The one about possession. People chase possessions, don't they? We call it the law of attachment. What you get attached to then becomes your stumbling block. It begins to take you in a certain direction. Some people can't let go of relationships. They just can't do it. Why? Because to let go means you have to surrender and let God in. Satan will use those attachments. I'm not saying every attachment you have in your life is wrong. I'm not saying that. God has to put his finger on it to show you which one's right and which one isn't. You can love your children, you know, but you can also keep hold of them and not let them go. You can treat them as a possession. You raise them to release them. Amen? Come on, anybody who loves you can live somebody, love somebody that much that you won't let them go. Yeah? The song that's in my mind now is Cliff Richard. I'm just your puppet. Wind me up and let me go. You'd think I'm 80 I'd when I talk, wouldn't you? You think I'm. Do you remember that one? Cliff Richard? Nah, no, forget it. That's another one. No, it's not. It's Cliff Richard. I don't know what gospel you've been listening to, Sheila. I don't know what version of the Bible you've got. I remember Cliff Richard singing it anyway. Anyway, stop. Shh. Stop. That's what happens when family get involved. That's a mountain. domain. Take her, Andy. Take her. Shut her down. (laughs) For those who know who she is, I don't know neither. Throw her out. So let's come into the church. Let's go behind the, the scenes a little bit here. I don't know about you, but I love going behind the scenes. I love something about me. I like going to football stadiums. David and I were talking last night how many stadiums we've been to. And I love going to different stadiums. And I've been privileged to go to football stadiums around the world. And, or different stadia of different types. And I love to go beyond. When I worked at Old Trafford for seven years, it was painful. It was, it was my Egypt. <laughs> it's where God put me there to, to purify me. So the, the Joseph that was shouting, me, 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 Lord, had to be purified. So I've had my seven years full of trophies. I, and guess where, where did He put me? In the trophy room. You know, I had to work around that silverware. It was demonic. I had to fight devils off all the time. And God put me in there, and he used to enjoy looking at that, because you're looking at moments, you're looking at history, you're looking at so many things. And I was a, we used to, as a fire steward working there, we had to do first aid. So they did all the first aid in the trophy room or in the boardroom. So I, I was boarding that room quite a lot of times, I believe. But that's where I went. And then when God released me from captivity, I went to City's Ground, and we had a little cupboard. We had a little cupboard, Ikea cupboard, one trophy fits all. And then God started prophesying to me, city transformation, now we've got all kinds of things. But the point I'm saying is this, is when you go behind the scenes, it's great to see, especially when you go into changing rooms, you think, this is, you're trying to visualize what kind of conversations are taking place at half time when we're beating United. What conversations are, are took place after we, we thrash united? What conversations took place when we're, we think we're letting them think the better than us? There's all these conversations. You're trying to get the moment. So I think in scripture, we have to look behind the scenes to see what's being said so that we can bring it into the modern day age and make it our reality. Yeah? On earth right now, You'll see on those mountains, the way those mountains infiltrate the church is by the church having creating a counterfeit. Yeah. There's always going to be a counterfeit church on the earth. How do you think believers come under the influence? How do you think doctrines go skew with? How do you think things enter into the church and believers get succumbed to all kinds of things because there's a counterfeit church just as there is a real church on the earth? Now, I know you might not want to think like that. I know you might want to think that every church on the earth is of God. It's not. It's not. Read your Bible. Paul says he mentions those believers that did him harm. There's always people... I'm not saying God's church was never intended for that. But there are churches that change. Amen. The true church, the original church, the one that comes from heaven, is called the church unusual. Why is it unusual? Because there's so much usual on the earth. We're trying to find the unusual church because we've got so much usual. And everybody wants church in their image and in their likeness. Everybody goes looking for a church, what they like. Oh, I got greeted on the door. We had tea and toast this morning. Beautiful. That's only because the cafe wasn't on. We pampered to you. Next door, you pay for that. This morning, we gave you free. Some will say, can't you bring it in here? No, because nothing's free forever, you freeloaders. Can you imagine going to the cafe down down the road and saying, can you not bring it into our church? It's free in our church. So we look for something based on our humanistic, or our humanism, I should say. We choose things based on what we like, what suits us, what we want. I like a word that just blesses me, but not too much. And we've got this down. We go looking for a church like we go looking for a house. We go looking for a car, or we go looking you know, for uh, whatever it is we're going to look for, fashion or whatever. And we've got this thing down to to the per usual. So much so that God can't get in. And everybody thinks they know, and everybody thinks they're in the unusual church. Everybody thinks that. So now it becomes the gospel of your opinion. These mountains are getting in on the earth. They're in the earth. So we have the unusual and we have the per usual. Our, our determination, our strength, our energy is, is moving this church so we do not become per usual. People always say, what, why is your church a church with a difference? It's, sometimes it's difficult to explain. Sometimes you're better off at explaining. It's got me in trouble. We won't settle. We won't settle. So easy to let Paul start worshiping this morning, just sing a song. No, Christ is. We're not here. We're not engaging him yet. Christ must have is Christ's church. We're not the owners. We're not the owners. So Michael Horton said this about secularism, and secularism is one of the greatest enemies that you and I will face in church. He said this, that that is the gradual conformity of our thinking, our beliefs, and our commitments and practices to the pattern of the fading age. Say this again. Secularism is that of of a gradual conformity of our thinking, our beliefs, commitments, practices to the pattern of this fading age. It's not just something that happens to the church. It's something that happens in the church. It's difficult to think of secularism as anything else other than Christian heresy. Wow. That is so powerful. Yeah? So powerful. You see, the church, per usual, has religious, traditional, soulish-driven people. Believers. Oh yeah, they're still believers. But their mindset is all about themselves. What they want. Will the pastor bless me today? Will I get a word from God? It's all about me, 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 me. It's the soulless trinity. Me, myself, and I, the moment you have that Trinity in the church, then you cannot help thinking that church will become so secular because everything you do is about me, myself and I. Whose church is it? Who's my father? What am I? A servant, a son. No self there. As the meerkat said, no sounds same. So in the per usual, you have the religious, traditional, soulless driven minded believers, whereas in the church, unusual, you have disciples. You have servants, you have soldiers, you have sons and daughters. You see, so many people are talking about raising spiritual sons. A lot of emphasis now coming from the apostolic is on raising sons. I agree with that, no problem. But can we please, 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 let's not forget about raising disciples. You have no son if you can't raise a disciple. And if you're not a disciple, don't tell me you're a son. Please. A disciple is the first thing we're raising. That's what we're raising in here. Disciples. If we get discipleship up and running, we can influence our society. We're not influencing society right now, this morning. Society doesn't even know we're meeting. You know you're meeting. This is you being fed this morning. This is you being empowered but we're not changing anything. But tomorrow we will. Right now, don't kid yourself. Anyone, this is, this is now us invading society. This is not. You know, there's more people meeting in the pub that's meeting in here this morning. There'll be more people going to the cinema today than what's in here, or the football. So let's not think we're, let's not get above ourselves. Church per usual just does Just enough. Why? Because they want their conscience to be appeased. Well, we went to church this morning. I sacrificed, I got out of bed. Jesus rose from the dead and you got out of bed. I think your view of, you know, sacrifice might need greatly amending. Well, I I, I travelled 10 miles. A church alive is worth the drive. It's not how far you came. It's how much of the church is in you. I'll, I'll drive anywhere. I'll drive 50 miles if, 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 if that's the church that's alive. I'll drive there. It's not a problem. But if I can't carry the church, what's the point of me going there? Because I'm not going. Some people treat church like they go to the movies. We won't go at six o'clock. We won't go at the nine o'clock uh, showing. We'll go at the three o'clock showing. No, 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 we can't go to the 3 o'clock show. Let's go to the, 12 o'clock. Uh, let's go to the uh, 7 o'clock show in. Mentality. I'm not saying it's wrong to have three services. No, not. I'm talking about the mentality of people. It's how they treat the church. So, so many believers think they know what the real church is. So many people believe they think they know what the kingdom's about. Shut up. You don't. Why don't you take the posture of a learner? Say, Lord, show me. Teach me your ways. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Teach me, O God. But if I keep thinking I know it, then my opinions become my doctrine. So, the process of secularism arises, listen to what Christopher uh, Henry Dawson said, the process of secularism arises not from the loss of faith, but from the loss of social interest, in the world of faith. It begins the moment men feel that religion is irrelevant to the common way of life. And that society has such has nothing to do with it. The truths of faith. So it loses faith in faith. The church has no power. She's just talkers. It's amazing. In the 1800s, early 1900s. Everybody had a conscience about going to church. Did it really change our nation? Probably not. We had a lot of people in church, that's all. People would come out the mines, the slate mines, but everybody was in church. It's true. People have lost faith in faith. So an alternative has taken place. So now what people want to do, Christian believers say, I'll stay at home and I'll be part of the church on the internet. Or I'll now watch Christian TV and that's my church. One TV station says, I'm, we are the church without walls. No, you're not a church. You're a TV station. You can't be the church. That's not the church. And I'm not referring to church as a building. We cannot be sending tithes to somebody on the other side of the world. That's not my storehouse. Get involved. Discipline your life, become a disciple. Let somebody speak into your life. Make your life accountable. So we can measure your growth. So Babylon has doctrinated society. To the point of society no longer wanting anything to do with God, his truth, or the church. Truth now is whatever you decide it to be. Whatever you want it to be, Political correctness wants to take truth away from you. Humanism wants to take your truth that's been established in you and in your generations, now wants to take it away, wants to take it out of schools, wants to take it out of the workplace, wants to take it out of so many places. Why? Because we don't want your truth to be a dominating factor. We want everybody to decide what they think the truth is. And if everybody does decide on the same truth, we've got to change it again. So there's evidence all around us that Babylon is invading the church. So now men start altering their doctrine to accommodate what society is saying. So now we have same-sex marriage. Now we'll have, we can't speak on purity. We can't speak on raising a generation. Of pure purity. Yes, we can. No, you can't. No, you can't. Why? Because the school will teach sex education. No, the church will get there first. And we are doing it. We are doing it. Well, there's no, there's no sense in stopping your kids experiencing some things. They've got to experiment. No, they haven't. Why? Your philosophy says they have. Look at the world. Kids are messed up because of that philosophy and you think you don't want to put some restraint on them because it's wise to do so. Political correctness is demonic in some, in some aspects. Not all aspects, some aspects. And it's getting worse and worse and worse and more stupid and, you know, please. And these are supposed to be intelligent people. These kind of people are a special kind of stupid because it makes no sense to Nobody. But to somebody up in, in, in an ayakaral system, it sounded good. But you get it on the ground and everyone goes, huh? He went to university for that. He got a PhD for that. Sometimes these people are so far detached from society. Oh, it's a law. It's a law. Oh, 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 It's a law. What about common sense? Common sense and wisdom says how to implement the law when the law needs to be implemented. It's so easy, it's a law. Did you see that thing on the internet of that taxi driver who'd had a crash in Manchester and he can't move his car and his car's on a, uh, on a double yellow line. So the you know what's happening next, don't you? Got to put a ticket on it. He goes, darling, I can't, can't move the car. Oh, no, no, no. Get away from me, you're assaulting me. And she's hiding behind all this. It's like, honey, take your brain, throw it out and go and get a new one. You know he can't move his car. So she gave him a ticket. Guess what? She lost a job. She lost a job. Why? Because subsection 4, paragraph 7 says this. Oh, you mean common sense? If the car breaks down and he can't move it, you don't give him a ticket? Yeah, that law. Oh, she never thought of that. She hid behind the law. That's what so many people do in a church. Hide behind the law. Hide behind the law. Church, natural. Everything, it's easy to stay behind the law. It's easy. Just keep piling them up. atch match them, and dispatch them. So easy. Get the PCC. Get them all involved. Let's all have a uh, let's all have a choice. No, it's not called a democracy. Church is called a theocracy, not a democracy. Ooh, I know some of you came from systems like that. So. You personally cannot conquer these mountains on your own. Okay? God has to deliver these domains by the Spirit. It's His church. It's His world. He tells you to advance the kingdom, become salt and light, go and take Christ wherever you are, whether you're in the marketplace, whether you're in a domain, whether you're you're a policymaker in those mountains, just be salt and light. Don't try and take over. Just try and influence. Stand your ground. Be righteous. Be pure. Be polite. Do what you need to do, but do it. Bring God in there. Find his wisdom. Amen? So you can't conquer these mountains. But listen, God will test you to see if you can be conquered by the mountain. So many of you work in the mountains, the domains, the marketplace... And you get influenced by their, by them far more than, you, than Christ ever gets to influence you. You pick up the philosophy of your staff. You pick up the behaviours of your people in your immediate circle. That tells me that the mountains have having more influence on you than what Christ is. Well, we just, all go, we just do this and we all do that. And, and, and you know what it's like? You work in a factory and they're all smutty. And before you know it, you're the smutty one. Well done. Take a bow. You fell for it. You know, I know that. I once once that dipstick. God will test you to see if you can overcome the temptations in Babylon. No, no, it's okay. Just turn. It's all right. No one's, no one's looking. Just look the other way. God's looking. No, it's okay. No, take him home. Take him home. Listen, if we put that, that money in that column, no one will know. God will. Integrity is what you do when no one's looking. Not when everyone's watching. God will see if there's any compromise in you. Can you be conquered? Can you be compromised? Yeah? Everyone starts off with good intentions, don't they? But after a while, they compromise, and eventually you become no different than Babylon, those in Babylon. It's true. How many Christian schools started? How many Christian schools started with the intention, we're going to keep this school Christian? Where are they all today? They're no different than a secular school. Why? Because they compromise for funding. That's why. They compromise because of funding. They compromise because of political correctness. They compromise. Why? Now Babylon's in them. They're no different. Call it a Christian school. You're not a Christian school. You're offering the same. Your philosophy's gone. You've got to go and rediscover yourself. Go and find out. Go and repent. Go back to God. Maybe it wasn't your, your fault. Maybe it's your forefathers. But recognize where it is now and readdress it. The count of it versus the genuine. Now at this point, I'm just going to ask my wife, because I've asked my wife, and only, my, I, could, only I could do this with my wife. Stand so on sweetheart. Now I'm going to use Veronica. You can't have that. I'm loaning it to you. <laughs> David, tell me what you like with money. <laughs> I'm seeing how you can be conquered or you can be compromised. Stood before, or before Carol. Is money. Stood, stand up, Veronica, please, if you will. Stood before Veronica is money one's got a good looking woman on this by a good looking woman holding it hold it that like straight so they can all see it one is of a man still with a good looking woman one is counterfeit the other one is genuine let's get biblical for a minute one is a harlot prostitute the other one is genuine you think that's strong language i'll show you in a minute calm down a harlot Prostitute. That's the church per usual. That's not. This is the genuine money. Thank you. <laughs> she had the genuine for a minute, then, and it's gone. But the counterfeit is bigger. And because it's bigger, it looks more genuine. Some of them. Some of the bigger organisations. Now listen, counterfeit can be any size. That's not just poke. It's not fair. This could be counterfeit. There's counterfeit and there's genuine. Okay, sweetheart, sit down. The harlot prostitute wants to look as genuine as possible. Now, you know, I'm not speaking from uh, experience. Depending where you are in the world, There's some, in fact, Carol will notice and Andy will notice because we've traveled together many times. If you go into Singapore or Malaysia and you stay at the Hilton Hotel, there are high-class prostitutes. And you wouldn't know. But the only time, the giveaway is this, when a 22-year-old woman is next to a 65-year-old bloke. It's kind of a giveaway, that. Because 22-year-old women don't hang around with 65-year-old blokes. Well, not in our country anyway. But how many prostitutes, you can tell the counterfeit by the way some of them dress. But there are times when you can't tell. Not that I've got experience in this manner. You know that. But here's the issue. How many of you seen the movie Pretty Woman? Yeah. Julia Roberts. You seen it? Of course you have. Well, before I go there a minute, Psalm 137, verse 1 says this, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and we wept and we remembered Zion. There on the popular, we hung our harps and there our captors asked us for songs, our tormentors demanded songs. Sing us a song of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? Zion has been captured. And now they're exiled, they're in, they're in, in a foreign land, Someone has seduced them and corrupted them. In fact, God led them into captivity because of the corruption. God allowed them to go into captivity. And we've been looking in our series about this that you can be in captivity, but captivity does not have to be in you. Jeremiah showed us that. I'm not going back there. But the Trinity, there is, a, there is a Trinity called the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We know that, don't we? But how do you know? if there's a counterfeit trinity operating in your church? You've got to know. Well, one of the answers is, if you've been trained right, you should be able to distinguish it. If, if, so many people, and you've heard me say this before, when I taught the whole series on table manners, we are not running A Colonel Saunders Kentucky fried gospel buffet here. This is not a for all. This is not full of additives. But most churches will take a bit here, a bit there, so many secular parallels, they'll bring them into the church, and they think as they can see a parallel, it must be right. Dangerous. So you contaminate the food that you give to the people. And because you go to this church, and that church, and this church, you're contaminated. You're contaminated at your source. You've drank from this place. You've drank from that place. You eat from this table. You eat from that table. You have no understanding of what's good for you or bad for you. Just because you can do it doesn't mean to say you should do it. Everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So by the rivers of Babylon, you wept. And you always will uh, weep in Babylon. Babylon takes your strength. Babylon takes your hope. Babylon takes your future. And it will make you a captive. If that gets in here, we're gone. And the harlot prostitute who's on that mountain will re- rule and reign in the church. And don't think for one minute it's not possible, because it is. Very much so. Very, very much so. People do not know what is genuine and what's disgenuine. They really don't. They think because there's a lot of hype in the church, because the music's good, because everyone's coming. Oh, our church is not like that. You don't have to look around to see some of the behavior that goes on in church. And some of the behavior that's not allowed to go on. So Julia Roberts, let's get back to Julia for a minute. Anybody seen that movie? Anybody not seen it? you are not seen it, John? it's a picture of Richard Gere and Julia Roberts, two of Hollywood's big stars. And she's a prostitute. And he's not. He's a businessman. And he ends up falling in love with his prostitute. And he's talking to her. And he forgets she's a prostitute. Because he's fallen in love with her. Hello. When you fall in love with someone... You can, or something, you become tunnel vision. Blinkered. Love covers over a multitude of... There's pleasure in sin for a... The harlot prostitute, which scripture talks about, and I'll show you, is very much alive, and she's in a lot of churches. I'm so aware that she could come in here tomorrow... She makes good relationships, Julia Roberts. In the movie, she makes fantastic relationships. She even makes a relationship with the concierge on the door. And you get so caught up in the story that you think, Oh, this Julia's a nice girl. But she's still a prostitute. In the movie. And Richard forgets this. So the church, like a prostitute, she makes good relationships. Her talk is smooth. Julie, in the movie, had beautiful talk. She knew how to get Richard. Now, Richard's a heartthrob. In Hollywood, Richard Gay is considered as a heartthrob. Just like George Clooney is. That's why I never went into Hollywood myself. Thought I'd better stay out of there. Stallions don't belong in there. She, she's fun to be with. Julie is fun to be with. A lot of churches are fun to be in. The talk is smooth. They build great relationships. She makes you feel warm and fuzzy. How many people want to feel warm and fuzzy when they go to church? Of course they do. Warm and fuzzy. Oh, just feel, just feel God. Just just feel, oh, feel fuzzy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then they go back to confusion, yeah, stupidity. stupidity. No, I just no, no, just oh, me and Lord, me and God, just <laughs> nutter. She makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside after being with her. Julie gave Richard momentary pleasure. The church is not meant to be pleasurable; that's not its objective. Though there will be pleasure. The objective is not to make you feel happy. Is everybody happy? So every service has to make you feel happy. Go and get a happy meal down at McDonald's if you want to feel happy. This is the kingdom. Happiness isn't a fruit of the spirit. Neither is nice. Oh, I want to feel happy and nice and warm and fuzzy. What church do you want to belong to? Noddies. This is what believers think. We're going looking for a church. What do we want? Warm, fuzzy, and nice, and happy. We want to be happy and warm. This is what people look for harlot churches. Jesus says, I don't want you warm. I don't want you warm. The New Testament church wasn't happy, warm, nice, and fuzzy. It was a battle. Oh, we don't want that, church. No, we know that. But you want us to have it. You expect us to give it you. True? So she gives him warm, momentary pleasure. But guess what? Julia did not want to partner with Richard for destiny. She wasn't his partner. She could never lead him into destiny. So many churches can never lead you into destiny. All they can do is supply bread, but they could never give you seed for your future. She demands, Oh, here's another one. you like this one. She demands that you give her money at the end of it. After Julie had had her intercourse with Richard, hey, this doesn't come for free. And, and in the movie, you don't see anything like that, but it's all implied. And what happens is we don't say, she doesn't come out now and say, because high class people don't say, right, that'll that be $400. They'll just say, did you leave the package? Now they know, and you know, that there is, there's going to be an exchange at the end of all this. It's called money. This is why I'm here. How many churches are gathering people for your money? And we call it faith. I'm going to use your faith to get what I need. Now I've got to promise you something so you'll give. These are all the, the tactics that are used in the counterfeit church to get to rob The people, we keep milking the same cow and expecting the cow to keep supplying milk. It's wrong. Last week, I flicked over on on, on one of the channels and this is what I heard. This woman was in this church, in a big church, and she was quite happy that God had got her out of this church, out of the previous church, and she's in this church. Why? Because it's a big church. And this is what she tells the people in the church. In my last church, I needed counselling. So I went to the pastor for counselling and the pastor said, that'll be £700, please. You don't think it's real, dear? You You don't think that's possible. Why? Because we've we've never dealt with you like that. Because we've never dealt with you like that, you don't think it's possible. It's possible. People are charging people for service. 700 pound. My best advice to you is sort yourself out. My counselling is free, but it's very direct. You might only book one appointment. You might come back for two or three, but guess what? When you finish, you know where you're supposed to be going. And it doesn't cost you anything, but it costs me everything. To get there, to help you. And I don't mind helping you, providing you'll do something with it. You, get, you can have all of my time if I know you'll do something with it. But if you're just going to sit there looking at faces, and I know I'm, I'm one of five or six guys you spoke to, guess what? You and I, are gonna have a, we're going to have a word. She's a counterfeit lover. She's deceived Richard. She plays him along. She thinks he's in love with her, and she knows it. So she plays him along. Now Richard needs her. That's the counterfeit church. It works on everything's about a church service. Come on, think of this for one second, please. All the activity of the church is in a building. Why? Because the people believe that as long as I get to church, all my needs will be met. So we keep them codependent upon a service. So the more programs we can put on, the more dependent you become. Sorry, if for anyone opening the Bible this morning, just read your New Testament. They did more outside the church than they ever did inside it. And we've got this thing now. Why? Because inside the church, that's where your money is. That's what I can influence you. That's where I, you can be, I can be the puppeteer. It's counterfeit. It's not the real stuff. Because it's misleading the people. And we're making fake promises, fake declarations. The people are getting more, less and less. Let's just like the people have less and less finance in their pockets. Why? Because it's all in the church. Why? And we're told we need it for the ministry. What ministry? We're all sat in here. Seriously, what ministry? If we're all sat in here, what ministry do we have? You know, go to work tomorrow and go and sit down at your desk and drink coffee and see how much production gets, gets done. And save your boss "What? say, well, we're all here, aren't we? Say to your boss, well, we're all here, we all came. The boss will turn around and say, I didn't bring you here to sit on your backside. I brought you here to get your finger out. To pull your finger out. We ain't got time. Didn't get to show you the harlot, and I will, because she's here. And when you see her, you're going to realise how much she messes up the church. She's on planet Earth, and she comes from those mountains. And when she gets into the church, the church is gone. The church becomes secular. She becomes usual. Holy Spirit's no longer allowed. Revelation chapter one. I think it is, or chapter, I can't remember which chapter, it is Behold, I stand and knock at the door. And every evangelist has used that. No, wrong question. What's he doing knocking on his own door? Because rather, Revelation 1 is the candlestick. It's in the midst of the church. By Revelation chapter 3, he's knocking on his own door. Something drastically has gone wrong, people. From Revelation 1 to Revelation 3, he can't get inside his own house. But guess what? The harlot's there. That's why he can't get in. They don't want him to come in. Because the moment he comes in, he'll turn the tables upside down. Let's stand to our feet. Our conference this year, School of the Prophets, was all on the church usual and the church unusual. Please don't think, Dream Center, we have finished talking about the usual and the unusual. Why? Because you constantly need bringing into a line. In alignment. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing 21 days, aligning our hearts with the mind of Christ. Why? Because we're not going to allow the harlot in the church. We must make sure that our minds and our hearts are aligned with heaven all the time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the only way we can fulfill that commission is by keeping our hearts aligned with heaven. living the days of heaven on earth. If you don't know what God's saying, just look around. Look at the walls. Everything's speaking in this house. When I'm silent, it's still speaking. When you're silent, it's still speaking. When we're worshipping, we all join together. Everything is speaking. Why? Because we don't want to become a counterfeit church. Well, certainly, I me, mean, Carol and I don't want the church to become like that. And I know the elders don't want that. And I know you don't want that. But it's so easy. You, you, well, let's, let's just have coffee now. See, when we first used tea and coffee, listen to this. And when this was gone. Some, month, some years ago, when the church had gone through a difficult time, a lot of people were leaving for different reasons. We we're having a change of leadership. God said to me, tea and coffee in the morning. Have tea and coffee for the, you know, for the next foreseeable future. So I thought, right. And we had tea and coffee. And you know what it did? It brought healing. He gave me an opportunity to talk to people who were confused, who were all over the place. And that, that 25 minutes of tea and coffee in the morning was great. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, stop it. Because it was used for a purpose to bring healing. But the usual church would say, let's just turn it into a cafe. Let's chill out. Let's just make everybody happy before they start worshipping. No, the Holy Spirit says, stop it now. Take it away. Why? They don't need it now. Now, that's my, he said, that was part of my time, but now I don't require that. Why? He's speaking. He doesn't require tea and coffee anymore. He did that for us. But once we, you can't build in a time of war, you build in a time of peace. So that was a tool that God gave us to bring peace on earth and goodwill to all men. And then he said, stop it. Now, what would have happened if I'd have carried on? Now, what would happen if I say, let's get a load of flashing lights on the stage. Let's get a smoke machine. And when we're worshipping, let's give the impression the Holy Ghost is moving in our midst. It's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Right. This morning, what did we do? We didn't rely on the smoke. We didn't rely on the mirrors. We didn't rely on the music. We said, get, let's get the praise in our mouth and the word in our hands. Yeah. So we can draw the honey. Why? Because at that point, we are unstable. We addressed it. Why? Because we're knocking out any counterfeit that's going to give you a different view. If Christ isn't here, we want to know why. So many of us have gone to so many churches when he's not there and we, and we rely on the music. What was the service like? It was alright. I don't want an alright church. I don't want an alright church. It's got to be hot. Heaven's got to be moving. Seriously, and the moment we don't want it, then you'll go. Yeah. But guess what? Some of us still want it. Yeah. And we're pushing for it. Why? We're going to be unusual. Yeah. We're unusual because we don't want the usual. Yeah. Right. People want more and more of less and less. Yeah. That's right. We want less and less of that more and more. Yeah. Right. Amen? Yeah. So let's just raise our hands if you will. I don't want to be a pretty woman. We don't want to be pretty woman. We don't want to be the Julia Roberts. We don't want smoke and mirrors and camouflage and we don't want to hype this thing up to give us all the impression that God's here and visited us. Lord, put a guard over our hearts. Put a guard over our minds. Help us, oh God, to keep the house clean, to keep the house pure. An unusual people, a peculiar people, a people belonging to our God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. People declaring the praises of God. Father, we entrust our concerns into your hands. We entrust our concerns into your hands. In Jesus' name. And all the living creatures said? Amen. Come well, let's give the Lord.